Hello, April Lopino, Vice President of Human Resources, also Keeley Life Leader, here to welcome you to this section of Keeley Life Podcast. These podcasts are designed to have conversations surrounding our mission of sustaining a culture of health and well-being for all Keeleyans and their families, as well as supporting our pillars of HEAL, where we focus on mental health, physical fitness, nutritional habits, and financial well-being. This is where we take a deep dive in discussing the total well-being of each and every one of our Keelians and how we make a path to a better version of themselves. We want to take this opportunity to provide resources to all. So please sit back and enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this Keely Life podcast where we are focused on brain health. I had the opportunity to welcome Dr. Neil Wright uh, with me today to speak on the subject. Uh, Dr. Wright is a board certified neurosurgeon, fellowship trained in complex spinal neurosurgery. After his undergraduate degree in neurobiology at the University of California, Berkeley, he obtained his medical degree at the University of California, Los Angeles. He completed his residency training in neurological surgery at Washington University, Barnes Jewish Hospital, St. Louis Children's Hospital. He then completed a fellowship in complex spinal neurosurgery at both UCLA and um, Cedars Medical Center in Los Angeles. For the past two decades, he's been a professor of neurosurgery at Washington University in St. Louis. He also is the director of the Spine Fellowship there and ha- has held the prestigious Herbert Lurie Professor of Neurosurgery Endowed Professorship. Well, I feel honored to be in, um, in your presence, uh, Dr. Wright. Thank you for joining us. You're quite welcome. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And I just want to um, update that I am now in private practice at uh, the Neurosurgery of St. Louis. That is great. Well, you've had um, quite a long or a slew of really great accomplishments in your time. And so um, this, this conversation is gonna be great and a great resource for um, our audience as well. So I will just jump on in. Um, people you know, speak frequently about mental health, uh, but the health of the brain itself is critical for overall health and wellness. Would you mind speaking a little bit more of why the brain health is so important to discuss and what it involves? Sure. Well. The brain is really what makes us who we are. It's responsible for how we think, how we communicate, how we express emotion, how we um, experience emotion. Uh, And we only have one brain. So once it's injured, uh, it's hard to replace. (laughs) We're not able to replace the brain yet. So it's really important for us to maintain the health of our brain throughout our life, both by avoiding things that could injure the brain but also by doing things to help prolong the health of the brain. So I just have to stop for a minute. You said that we cannot um, uh, replace it or repair it yet. Um, so what is to come in, in just the, in that, in that spectrum of things? I think it's in the brain itself is, is a long way off, unfortunately. Uh, I think the next step is having brain computer interfaces, which are gonna help augment loss functions of the brain, uh, or potentially replace some functions of the brain. There's a lot of exciting work being done in that regard. I think that's probably the next next step. We're already having some uh, success with that uh, for helping people regain function after strokes uh, or some traumatic uh, brain injuries. Okay, I just found that comment very interesting. 
So, you know, we often hear about brain injury or brain trauma as it relates to veterans, professional athletes, or even those that have been involved in car accidents. What causes brain injury in the first place? And can injuries like this happen, you know, to folks like you and I? Yeah, that's a good question, April. The brain injuries can happen to us really at any age of life. Uh, a brain injury is most typically is involves sudden acceleration or deceleration of the brain. So it's when something either hits the head at speed. So if someone gets hit in the head with uh, a flying baseball or a baseball bat, um, or if the head hits something at speed, such as a car accident when your head hits um, the windshield or something like that. It, it's typically a blow to the head, which either causes um, a sudden deceleration or sudden acceleration of the brain. Uh, and the brain then bounces around inside the skull and that can cause bruising of the brain tissue. It can tear some of the veins that drain the blood out of the brain and that can cause blood clots. And those are the most common mechanisms of injury of brain. And at different ages, we have different risks to the brain. So uh, with kids, it's this is why the pediatricians always ask you if your child is wearing a helmet while riding a bike, riding a scooter, riding a hoverboard. Uh, just a simple fall from height with the brain, with the head hitting a hard surface is enough to cause a brain injury. Unfortunately, you know, most of those are relatively mild, um, but they have a potential for being uh, severe. Um, in adults, it's the same, it, it, it's sports, uh, activities. It's car accidents. It's why we wear a seatbelt. It's why we have head protection uh, through uh, various sports activities. Uh, it's why we now wear helmets while we go skiing. Uh, there was probably a few decades ago now, um, there was a movie actress, um, Liam Neeson's wife, uh, Natasha Richardson, I believe, who just standing on the ski slope uh, fell over uh, and hit her head without a helmet on the hard surface and that caused a uh, fatal head injury. Uh, so brain injury can really happen to anyone at any period of life. Uh, it is why we have to be careful about the activities that we do, not to not do these activities, but to do them in a smart manner with appropriate uh, protection. So how effective are helmet, helmets? So you stated it's important to wear them, but how effective are they? And then with that, how do we fix or repair brain injuries? Sure, so the first part of that, helmets are certainly effective. Now, it depends a little bit on what type of helmet. Is it just a cheap plastic helmet or is it a helmet which has the appropriate padding between the helmet and the skull? Obviously the latter, the ones with padding are gonna be more effective. So the type of helmets you wear while you're skiing have that nice padded interior. They're well fitted to your head. Same thing for bike helmets. They have to be well fitted and not loose so they stay on. But so head, uh, helmets are certainly helpful at minimizing or preventing head injury. Now, it's not absolute. So given enough of a trauma, you can still have a head injury. But a helmet does uh, protect against injury and mitigates the severity of that injury. Now, in terms of how do we treat brain injury, this is where pre prevention is really better than the cure. We 
have increased ability to take care of a traumatic brain with um, better treatment protocols in the hospitals, in the uh, intensive care units, and uh, rehabilitation. We have uh, ever, ever an increasingly amount of knowledge as to how to um, minimize the secondary injuries of brain uh, of the brain injury, like when the brain swells, things like that. We have medications. We um, have surgical interventions, but those by far do not replace prevention. Uh, it is much, much easier to prevent a brain injury than it is to repair one. That's interesting. So so with that, um, is it true that re repeat injuries can cause cumulative issues? For example, you know, if if you have two or three, does it does it build um, or make it worse, or do you actually think of each one as a standalone injury? No, that's a great question. So if I'd answered this question 20 years ago, I would have said that we probably did not think there was a cumulative effect. But now there's a wealth of data, primarily from the NFL and, and the um, head injury studies that have been done on football players, showing there is a cumulative effect of injury with repeated concussions or injuries to the brain. Uh, that's why it's important to recognize a concussion when it's occurred uh, and to minimize uh, subsequent concussions. Uh, there are now strict protocols in high school, college, and professional uh, sports uh, for sports, especially that ones which potentially involve a blow to the head, to uh, be able to evaluate whether someone's had a concussion or not and to evaluate whether that's starting to have any cognitive effects, which may trigger the ending of that sport. Uh, an athlete may be pulled or prohibited, prohibited from playing if they start showing signs of cumulative injury. So I'm I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because we've been talking a lot about when there are you know, ways to um, prevent injury or what happens if there's been an injury. So how do we though just maintain optimal, optimal normal brain health? There's a different things we can do at different stages of our life to help protect the brain. So with a developing brain uh, in childhood, uh, young teenage years, that's when it's important to you know, have your kids in school and have them academically stimulated. Uh, it's also where it's really important to avoid uh, head injuries of that uh, age, concussions, because kids seem to be more susceptible to concussions than adults. And then in our, in our main productive years, so from mid-teen years to really through retirement age, the main things we can do are um, to, to avoid things that additionally can cause injury to the brain or make the brain more susceptible to injury. So alcohol is a good example of this. We know that chronic heavy alcohol use uh, can result in structural damage to the brain, uh, especially parts of the brain responsible for coordination uh, the cerebellum at the base of the brain can atrophy with chronic alcohol use. Uh, we know that that can accelerate uh, the onset of dementia. Um, so the, during during those years, our main productive years, it's using things in moderation. So not to say you can't have a drink. I certainly have a drink from time to time, 
but it's knowing the effects of, of chronic alcohol use. Um, and then as we get older to maintain our brain health, uh, it's important that we keep exercising the brain. I think we all have experience with a family member or family friend who once they retire, they seem to just you know, fade intellectually. Because the brain is like any other organ in our body or any other muscle in our body, as it were, that if you don't use it, it tends to, to atrophy. So it's important that as we uh, slow down with our, with our job uh, and you're no longer stimulated on a daily basis in terms of thinking and making decisions and having to memorize things, that as we get into that retirement age, it's important to keep uh, challenging the brain. So doing daily um, brain brain teasers, word puzzles, Sudoku, um, the craze now is Wordle, um, but anything which is engaging the brain, whether it's reading, discussing, um, uh, or, or brain games like this are very effective and helpful at maintaining brain function in our later years. Are there any, so you mentioned, you know, a couple of those, you know, exercises engaging the brain, right? Like the crossword puzzles and also just moderation specifically, you know, with alcohol. Is there any other types of of um, exercises or vitamins or I mean, really anything? If you think about it, I we tend to take that muscle for granted because a we don't see it. We don't see it, the you know the the if it's healthy or if it's not so this has just been very interesting so what should what are some proactive things i can um be doing on an ongoing basis and it seems also like you stated like this is kind of your your 20s 30s 40s is the prime time and that's usually when we're not really i think paying close enough attention because we have a hundred other things going right you're starting your careers and you're raising families and so any little thing that we can do to ensure that we're keeping it healthy at that stage is going to be really important. Yeah, in terms of things like medications or over-the-counter supplements, in our in those middle-aged groups or in our uh, from our early twenties till our sixties or so, there's not a supplement or or a medication that has been FDA approved to maintain brain health. There are certainly a lot of over-the-counter supplements um, which try to um, stimulate some of the neurotransmitter systems in the brain. Now, FDA supplements, say these supplements, over-the-counter supplements are not regulated by the FDA, um, so you have to take a little bit with a grain of salt some of the marketing claims. There's certainly a lot of things advertised on TV, uh, medications to improve brain health, there's some interest in that area. There's some soft data that they may help, um, but it, unfortunately, there's not a well-established medicine that you could take to preserve your brain function. There are some FDA-approved medications once you start losing brain function. So, for example, with Alzheimer's disease, with the early dementia that comes with that, there are some medications which do help in that setting. Those are prescribed by a physician. Uh, and they have not been looked at in people with normal brain function, but they have been studied in people with Alzheimer's and have been found to be effective at improving um, memory and cognitive function in people with earlier stages of Alzheimer's. 
So interesting. Well, Neil, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with? It's you have one brain, take care of it well. Uh, it's it's an amazing organ. I, I've the reason I went into neurosurgery, the reason I'm so fascinated by neurosurgery is there's so much we still don't know about the brain. It's uh, an incredibly intricate and complicated bundle of nerves that makes us all the people that we are. Um, we are nowhere near the level of medical sophistication to recreate that or to rewire it. So at this point in time, you need to take care of the one you have. I love that. That's in many things in life, right? So, sure. so with that, I want to tie this to our overall Keeley Life pillars is um, what you eat and also um, how you treat your body. Will those have a positive impact in the health of your brain as well? Absolutely. Uh, a good balanced diet is important. I think it's one of the times where we don't know what we don't know. Uh, we don't know what is going to prove to be critical to maintaining brain health. There might be some vitamin or mineral that we identify in the next few decades that is that we just like we take vitamin C to prevent uh, getting sick, or we take vitamin A for our eyesight, we take vitamin D for our bone health and overall immune health. There may be something down the road that we say, oh, you need to take this to improve your brain health. So since we don't know that yet, I think it's good to have a good balanced diet. Um, and this isn't, uh, this is a soft recommendation, but I encourage people who are in the middle, you know, 40s on up to take a good um, vitamin supplement, just a multivitamin. Um, because now with so much processed food out there, uh, we're not getting the same amount of vitamins and minerals that our diets had you know, 100 years ago. So I think it's good to take a good multivitamin, again, with the philosophy of <laughs> we don't know what we don't know at this point. I love it. Anything we can do to be proactive, right? Because you're right, we, we don't know a lot and we only have one of them. Um, so no, I really appreciate your time. Um, this has been great and can't wait to um, for others uh, to get this information as well. So until next time, Keelian, stay healthy.